I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting from the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Supercomputers might have helped unlock a new way to make control beams of gamma rays, according to scientists at the University of Texas at Austin. The simulations done on the Stampede and Lone Star systems here at TAC will guide a real experiment later this summer in 2016 with the recently upgraded Texas Petawatt Laser, one of the most powerful in the world. The scientists say the quest for producing gamma rays from non-radioactive materials will advance basic understanding of things like the inside of stars. What's more, gamma rays are used by hospitals to eradicate cancer, and they're used to scan cargo containers for terrorist materials. Unfortunately, no one has been able to produce gamma rays from non-radioactive sources. These scientists hope to change that. On the podcast today, Visiting Tech are the three researchers who published their work May of 2016 in the journal Physical Review Letters. Alex Arefiev is a research scientist at the Institute for Fusion Studies and the Center for High Energy Density Science at UT Austin. Toma Tonchin is the assistant director of the Center for High Energy Density Science. And the lead author is David Stark, who at the time of interview had just defended his PhD at UT Austin and has since moved on to the Los Alamos National Laboratory. Dr. Zarefiev, Tanshin, and Stark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Alex Zarefiev, why don't you start with what you found in your simulations of lasers and gamma rays? One of the key results that we found is that the laser pulse can be efficiently converted into a beam of very energetic photons. They're more than one million times more energetic than the photons in the laser pulse. And until recently, there hasn't been a method for producing a beam of such energetic photons. So the proposed regime can be groundbreaking for a number of applications and also for fundamental science studies. Toma Tonshin. Just adding, in a nutshell, we have discovered using numerical simulations a physical regime where we would generate the highest magnetic fields ever generated on Earth. And the side benefit is that we will also go to generate one of the most intensive gamma ray sources. David Stark. Yeah, it's exciting to be able to work in collaboration with the Texas Petawatt people. So that was one of the benefits of doing this study, um, being able to combine plasma physics with the optical capabilities that are just in the basement of this building. We're able to convert a very large quantity of energy from this optical petawatt pulse into a very intense beam of gamma ray radiation, which has a multitude of applications to it. Why are scientists pushing the Texas petawatt laser to these high intensities? Toma Tonchin. In order to give you a feel what the intensity of the lasers mean that we actually employ in our experiments, or up to now theoretical experiments in a numerical simulation, imagine yourself that you would take a lens that is as big as Earth itself, put it in an Earth-like orbit, and then you will focus all the light cap- captured by this lens on the tip of the pencil. The intensity of the light is actually 500 times less than what we actually use in our theoretical experiments. So you can imagine the power and the force that is generated by focusing light to these extreme intensities. So light itself is maybe not that spectacular, but if you can now transfer the energy carried by this light onto matter, it can lead to a lot of new effects, novel effects. And the one thing that drives actually our field is to be able to generate on very short scales particles with energies that are comparable to whatever conventional accelerators can generate 
but on accelerated that are very small. If you compare the acceleration potential of a regular accelerator, like slack going to 40 GV, it's a number. Um, they do it over several kilometers or several miles acceleration length. In our case, the uh, interaction of light with matter generates fields that are factor 10,000 stronger, so they can accelerate to the same energy, theoretically, a particle in one, one thousandth of the path. So we want to create miniature accelerators. What were some of the challenges in your research that advanced computing was able to help with, David Stark? Well, working with uh, such a high-intensity system, one of the challenges was the particles were accelerated to relativistic velocities within a very, very short time scale. We're talking on the order of just a few femtoseconds. And so on that time scale, we need to be able to resolve the dynamics because that's how we understand the physics of what's going on. And so because of that, we needed to use in our kinetic simulations, we needed to use very high resolution on both space and time. So this was a particle in cell code. So what we do is we model um, macro particles, basically, that describe the entire dynamics of the system. And the more macro particles you have, the better of an understanding you can get of what's actually happening in the physics. And so we wanted to, in our particle and cell code, have a high number of macro particles and resolve their dynamics on a very short time scale. And so to do that, we needed to be able to use many, many processors simultaneously in order to actually evolve the system on a meaningful length of time to observe what we're trying to, to find. So that was one of the major challenges, and that's why we turned to TAC. Uh, we started out by using Lone Star 4, and now we've started working with Stampede a little bit more. But we're using um, both in 2D and 3D simulations. So we're using thousands of processors simultaneously for all of these simulations and running them for the better part of a day. And so we're talking about tens of thousands, up to 60,000 hours of processor hours for one simulation just to get all the data out. And so we realistically needed to use the facilities here in order to achieve what we're looking for. <laughs> Alex Arefiev. So yes, this was a very demanding simulation because we're talking about simulating a light-matter interaction where the matter is plastic or maybe even metal. So locally, there are a lot of charges. So it's not even realistic with the existing computers to represent each particle in the simulation. And so that was one of the challenges. So to find how to represent that and how many particles to choose with high fidelity to reproduce the effect. And so this is where the supercomputing resources here were extremely useful because even for our simulations where we use microparticles to represent real particles, we had in a typical 3D simulation about 3 billion particles. So that needed to be pushed with a very small time step to reproduce the electron dynamics. So this would not have been possible on a regular computer. And so supercomputing resources were extremely helpful. Another thing where the resources here came very handy is that as the particles propagate through the plasma, they produce photons. So the number of particles starts to increase dramatically during the simulation. So the memory requirements are also very stringent. And so Stampede with the extra memory resources was very helpful. 
Dr. Arefiev, how does your research that found a way to generate gamma rays from lasers, how does it actually help people beyond the laboratory? So the big impact is that light-matter interactions in this regime, the interaction is not well understood at all. It hasn't been achieved experimentally yet. And so that's why we're looking at things using simulations in order to get them the fundamental understanding of how light interacts with matter at those very strong intensities. And so there are a lot of open questions here because, of course, as the particles move and they emit a lot of radiation, they lose a lot of momentum. And typically, usual simulations do not account for that, for the loss of energy as a result of the secondary light emission. And so this has to be accounted for. And this is a physical challenge. And so the regime that we've found can potentially allow experimentally to probe light matter interaction where the so-called radiation reaction starts to play a role. And this is, so far, it turned out to be quite an elusive process that people want to study but haven't been able to because it's fundamentally important. But experimentally, until recently, the predictions were that maybe in five years or a decade, we might be able to get to the regimes where we can study that. So this newly discovered regime might be able, within within a reasonable time frame, with the existing laser systems to probe that. Again, coming back to applications, the regime that we have proposed, it can be looked at more like a tool that has not existed again until recently and still only exists in simulations. And so why is this important is because this very energetic gamma rays, they can penetrate very deep into either it is material or tissue in terms of application. So, for example, for brain surgery, you do need multi-MEV gamma rays in order for the gamma rays to go through the skull and deep into the tissue and actually treat the affected area without opening up somebody's head, I would say. So th- there are a lot of attractive applications. As Tamar mentioned earlier, in terms of homeland security, you do want... And this is, again, maybe a little bit like far-reaching because this is just a tool that still one would need to figure out how to technologically put it all together. But this very intense gamma rays can be helpful in, for example, probing large samples of nuclear material or, for example, if something is hidden, you are able to irradiate a container and to get a pretty accurate reading for whether there are some nuclear materials that shouldn't be there are inside without opening this up. And sometimes you might be able to open, but will not be able to see. This because of the incredible penetration depths for this dense gamma ray beams, you should be able to do this. And of course, one of the applications that we are really excited about is this antimatter creation in vacuum, because potentially you can almost have a gamma ray collider, which seemed not even feasible recently to do this on Earth in the laboratory to collide two beams of light and actually produce matter, not just like a couple of particles, but a lot of them so that there is almost like a substantial amount of matter in the vacuum created out of light. And so this can potentially allow people to study some of the processes that are underpinning a lot of phenomena in the universe, in the laboratory. So this can be useful as well, because you can't really do this in the universe without, I mean, all you can do is observe this way. You can be able to actively interact and investigate. My last question, what's next for this research? 
Dr. Tonchin? The first thing to do is to transform it to a real experiment. Uh, professors Manuel Hegelich and Professor Tottitmeyer from the Center of High Energy Density of the Science at the University of Texas at Austin are going to perform this tune. So very soon, an experiment uh, that will probe for the first time the intensity regime we uh, predicted up to now just theoretically. So it's going to be a very uh, interesting and uh, time for us to see if uh, our predicted effects will really be seen and measured. We are doing simulations and it's very exciting to see if they, we can benchmark them against the reality. That's actually the biggest point of conducting science, to develop models, to find new effects, to test them, and if necessary to correct these models, if the reality will give you another answer than the one you expect. You've been listening to Alex Refiev and Toma Tonchin of UT Austin and David Stark of the Los Alamos National Laboratory. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.